discover the possibilities of internal medicine. Hello, everyone. My name is Alan Aboud. I am a rising second year medical student at the Renaissance School of Medicine at Stony Brook University. And with me today is Dr. Indrapal Chabra, an internal medicine physician who runs his own private practice. Dr. Chabra has over 20 years of experience in managing complex medical conditions in adult and geriatric populations. He has been a leader in the physician community. He is a former president of Queens County Medical Society and the Medical Society of Long Island Jewish Medical Center. He is also a source for many other physicians and has trained a lot of residents and medical students over the years. Dr. Chabra, how are you doing today? I'm pretty good. Nice to be on the stage with you, Alan. Thank you so much for coming on this podcast. When opening a practice, you're essentially starting a business. How'd you go about formulating a business plan and where? So um, great questions. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you get you get a bunch of magazines that you don't even look at. One of those magazines which you should look at is Medical okay. Economics. Okay. So Medical Economics, I actually emailed them. They always have great articles about prior practice and the business side of practice. And they also have great articles on how to do savings and how to what's new happening in the world of EMR. So it's overall not academic, but everything around, like this is a new CPT code. What, do you, what does that mean? So mm-hmm. those kind of things. So I actually emailed them and they sent me almost a kit of how to start a practice. Wow. So, and then on my own, I bought a book called the 10 day MBA. So I've heard of that book. It, yeah. So the 10 day MBA gave me a basic glimpse of what I should be looking for, like how to choose a bank, how to choose a banker, what kind of loans are available what's marketing what what does medical marketing look like and of course this is asian history now so 20 years ago but nowadays i mean i just like i was telling earlier i just started another clinic so i'm relearning all of those things all over again in today's environment when everybody's hyper connected in social media how does marketing work different and and at the core of it you have to be comfortable being a practitioner being a physician Mm-hmm. Once you are, that's your foundation. That nobody should be able to take away. We physicians, we can learn a lot. We have been learning a lot all our lives. We will be learning a lot throughout our lives. Throwing another thing, it is an alien concept, marketing and business planning and talking to a banker and how to market yourself. But it's it's not. It's really not. Okay. If you just finished your pedi- pediatrics rotation and next time you go to go to orthopedics, our pediatrics is totally different from orthopedics, right? That is very true. We could, we could, if we could learn that, then we could learn anything. That is very true. So I guess you're saying have a solid foundation in your training and focus on right. that at first. And right. once you have the hang of it, uh, yeah. move on to right. learning something new. Right. Okay. Uh, in the beginning, did you have help with any administrative setup initially? Did you handle all that administrative aspect on your own? By default, yes. So I had a billing company. So most of them, like when you're not busy, you, you can kind of dip your toe, dip your toe into things, and then you can learn as you go along. Like billing, I had a, I hired a billing person, and I kind of saw how she was doing the billing, and then because it's my money, I'm responsible. I taught myself how to do proper billing, and then slowly I hired another billing company, and they have been a great help. So there are medical management companies that they are, they do not only just billing, but they know that a lot of doctors don't know how to, what, what they don't know about mm-hmm. business side of practice. Like how to make sure that you don't get into trouble with the payers, with audits and all those things. So you go to meetings, you go to seminars, you, you look at online. If you have a mindset that this is what you're going to be doing, you will learn about it. Okay, so the resources that are available to private practice 
first and foremost, your friends who are already mm-hmm. been in private practice. They can tell you a lot, which billing company they use. Word of mouth is king. And then, so there are groups called IPAs, independent practice associations. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge proponent of them. I belong to a few of them. So independent practice associations means that between your insurance company and you, now there is a, there's a third party. The IPA helps, works on your behalf as a physician. They're like the middleman negotiator. Exactly, exactly. Not just negotiations in terms of uh, the amount of reimbursement, but also in terms of credentialing, you're not able to get into a particular insurance plan, join an IPA, they will get you into that insurance plan. Or if you want to stay out of network, like how do you stay out of network? That's So you, there are resources available. Most of them charge nothing to maybe $100, $200 to join. And it's like an annual fee or an annual exactly. membership? Yeah. Oh. yeah, annual membership, yeah. And to follow up on that, are those uh, companies like the IPAs and the other companies you mentioned, do they take care of like compliance training for everybody yeah. in the clinic like HIPAA? Right, right. Okay. So that, and then I also, I just Googled it. I just Googled HIPAA training for physicians' offices. And for not that much money, I think uh, I was able to get a package for 10 employees for like maybe $300 for every year. So mm-hmm. it's, a, and I had it vetted by uh, an attorney that I know who does HIPAA training for large corporations. And as soon as she told me like, yeah, this is good. So it's online training to get a certificate at the end of it. So it's HIPAA, OSHA, and now even COVID-19 training. So those three things that, that this uh, company covers. Yeah, that's another thing. Like, does that company take care of the human resource role and like the hiring process? Health is full of regulations. There's a lot of regulations like about marketing, about stock laws that we have to be very careful about. So you have to have a good attorney that you can trust. That's you have true. to have a good accountant that you can trust. You have to have a good billing person that you can trust. Yes. Yeah. I was thinking of something along the lines that those companies would hopefully like help you establish yourself and are reliable enough that you can find good so resources what they, through. What they do, what they do is they set up seminars. They set up webinars and seminars. They give out information. And so does medical economics about how to hire a person, what kind of a person, what are the late, latest labor laws. What are the, uh, like, what's the going rate for um, office manager? What's the going rate for a medical assistant? Uh-huh. And, and frankly, for me, for my own practice, I just hooked up with some medical assistant schools. They're also looking for places they can send the students to intern. So I brought them on as interns, and then I liked some of them, and I hired them. That's a great way to look for qualified employees, actually. Right, right, yeah. right. So those companies take care of the logistics of a private practice, but in terms of marketing your own private practice, do you do that on your own or do you also use different companies to help you? I created my own website and I do have a Facebook page, which I don't have the time to go on. Again, you can hire somebody to do that. There are companies that specialize in medical marketing. Basically the idea is when you're new, you want people to know what good you're doing. And then after that, you have to be a true professional in making sure that the patients get their money's worth. Well, after the initial hitch, it's all word of mouth. Patients will bring you patients. Big hospital systems have like a whole team to take care of billing and managing their uh, mm-hmm. that aspect of their practice. But were you able to manage this on your own? But there's a reason I'm still independent. I'm surrounding by all of these big hospital systems in, uh, in Long Island where I am, but I'm still able to manage. And the way I'm able to manage is by having a good relationship with my billing company. Okay. We sit down on a routine basis. We sit down, we go over my uh, 
mud building to make sure that we are, first of all, making sure that we are doing everything right. We are not overbilling or underbilling. So you have to be comfortable. You have to get trained on how to do proper billing. And then you do the billing, billing the proper way. And then get yourself, you can, it's not like an audit, but you can have companies come in and do a, like a audit on your behalf to make sure that what you're doing is right. There is something, the biggest challenge that has not come up is something called value-based payment. So when you see a patient, for example, if you see a patient with diabetes and two months ago, they went to the ophthalmologist and the ophthalmologist saw macular degeneration in their eye. Now, when the patient comes to you and if you put that patient as diabetes without any complications, that's actually wrong. The patient does have a complication. So there is something known as a risk score assessment for each practice, mm -hmm. each provider, for each physician. So RAF, risk assessment factor. The higher the risk assessment factor, the more leeway you will have in dealing with the payers because then the payers actually, in turn, the payers go to the employers where they're getting their patients from. So like, look, we take care of sicker patients. We need to get more in terms of the, uh, or to the government, even to Medicare and Medicaid. We need more uh, premiums. And that premium that can get passed to you, if you, there are formulas, different, again, the IPAs help you with that, mm -hmm. to save, if there's something called shared saving formulas, if you save, if you say the patient's risk score is X, and you take you take care of the patient in Y amount of money, if that goes over a, under a certain threshold, then the savings, a part of the savings, come back to the IP, and the IP distributes it among its members. So that's the latest thing that's happening right now. So value-based payment is the is the next uh, big thing. And in 2021, by the way, the ENM evaluation management codes they did change. They made mm -hmm. it a little bit more simpler. Make use of the get educated on those and get and uh, do the right thing. Uh, so, yeah, so I guess the IPAs too can help you with staying up to date on the changing uh, codes. Exactly. And like help you stay on par with big healthcare yeah. Uh, systems. Yeah. Thank you for the wealth of information you have provided. I, lo I, I love that. Thank you.